Well, if you've been watching the news, you'll be aware that we've had royalty here in Sydney in the past few days. Uh, Frederick and Mary, uh, the people who will one day become the queen, king and queen of Denmark, were out on the harbour doing what royals do, enjoying the, uh, the life that they are accustomed to. Uh, Frederick and Mary, um, they've done it pretty tough in Copenhagen. This is a little fixer-upper that they had to move into, and I think they've done quite a nice job inside, so that's, that's good. We're pleased for them. But when we think of royalty, we tend to think of the wealth that we have, that they have, don't we? We tend to think of things like, uh, Windsor Castle and the, the affluence that the royalty have in those sorts of situations. And it's been that way right throughout the whole of human history. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not in any way suggesting that we should be critical of this. But when it comes to kingship in the pages of the Bible, the king of God's people was to be completely different to all of that. God didn't want his people to have a king that was just like every other king in the nations around them. God didn't want his people to have a king who was going to show off that wealth and that opulence and that power. I mean, here are the instructions that God gave before the very first king was appointed in Israel. This is what God said. The king must not acquire a great number of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. And he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. And he must not accumulate large amounts of silver or gold. The king of God's people was to stand out, but not because of his wealth. He was to stand out because of his example. This is what the passage goes on to say. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of the law taken from that of the priests who are the Levites. It is to be with him. He is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his brothers and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over the kingdom of Israel. The king was to be an example, not of wealth, but an example of godly living. He was supposed to be one of the people, live like one of the people and set an example of godly living. But sadly, if you know the story of the Old Testament, that's not the way that it worked out. Even the best of the kings just messed up really badly. King David, King Solomon, all off to a great start, but it all ends very badly. And kingship in Israel pretty much goes downhill after David and Solomon. The failure of kingship also meant the failure of the nation of Israel. Things went downhill when they had a king who wasn't leading them in the right direction. But the pages of the Old Testament left the people hoping for God to send a king, praying that God would send a better king, a leader, someone who could do what God expects, someone who could be that godly example. And that hope wasn't just wishful thinking, it was based on the promises that God had made to his people. 
This is what God actually said to King David before things all went pear-shaped with David. God made this promise. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. God promises that he will raise up a king and raise up a kingdom. So the people clung to that hope, that hope that God would send a king. Even in the dark days of Israel, even when they're off in captivity in Babylon, they are still hoping for that day when God would send that king. And God kept promising that he would. This is what he said to the people through Jeremiah. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In the days of Judah, he will, be, he will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteousness. I mean, here they are in captivity in Babylon and God's saying, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to raise up a king. So it's no surprise that when we open up to Mark's gospel, Jesus says that he's the one, that the time has come. After John was put in prison, Mark tells us, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. It's a tricky word, that one, near. It means right here in your midst now. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus says, it's time. Gough Whitlam wasn't the first one to say that. The time for God's king to to take the throne. And the New Testament writers were in no doubt that's what was happening. God's promises are being fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. All the language surrounding the birth of Jesus actually points to that, that Jesus is the king who is in David's line. This is what we read in Luke's gospel. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And in Matthew's gospel, we read this, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? This is what the wise men are asking. We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. It's time. Jesus has come as the promised king. He's come to establish God's kingdom. So how does he do that? Does he gather an army? Is he going to need to build up a cache of weapons? Is he going to overthrow the government? Well, no, the kingdom won't be established that way. It will be established in the most extraordinary way. And it's right back there in that first passage from Mark's gospel. The kingdom will grow because this message will be preached. The people need to repent and believe. They need to turn around from the way that they're going and they need to trust this king, follow this king, listen to this king. This isn't a kingdom that's built with palaces and castles. This is a kingdom that's built with changed hearts and minds. And being part of the kingdom involves those two things, repenting and believing. Repenting, recognising that you've been heading in the wrong direction, that you've been living your life as though you are the king. The kingdom that Jesus has come to bring in is one where we believe that he is the king. 
It's a kingdom that's not built on wealth or power. That's why Jesus was born in a stable. That's why he was born to nobody parents. It's not a kingdom established by force. It's a kingdom that's established by loving God and loving your neighbour. And there's no denying that Jesus has established an extraordinary kingdom. Back when Napoleon was being held as a prisoner on St Helena, he spent the last few years of his life reading and writing while he was there. And he in fact wrote a book about some some of the great world leaders, including Julius Caesar. But he also wrote this about the kingdom that Jesus established. I tell you that Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne and I have founded great empires. But upon what did these creations of our genius depend? Upon force. I marvel that whereas the ambitions and dreams of myself, Caesar and Alexander should have vanished into thin air, a Judean peasant, Jesus, should be able to stretch his hands across the centuries and control the destinies of men and nations. And all that through a really simple message that people need to repent and believe. Christmas is now eight days away. Probably frightens the life out of you, doesn't it? Because there's... How many of the Christmas presents have you still got left to buy? And over the next couple of days, you're going to hear a whole lot of Christmas carols. And many of them actually talk about Jesus being king. Hark the herald angels sing, Christians awake. O come all ye faithful, Mary's boy child. Little town of Bethlehem, O holy night, as we've already heard. And the list could go on. You'll hear them playing in shopping centres. You'll hear them playing at carols at the domain. We started this morning with one of them, with joy to the world. Let earth receive her king. All these carols talk about Jesus being king. We meet today, this building exists because Jesus is king. The kingdom is still growing today and it's still growing in exactly the same way that it's always been growing. That good news about Jesus being proclaimed, that people need to repent and believe. They need to stop thinking that they are the king of their lives and recognise that Jesus is and follow him.